Welcome to the Skill Stadium, a podcast for the skilled trades, where you can learn about the opportunities and benefits of working in the skilled trades from business owners, hiring managers, and the hardworking, talented professionals. And now, your host, Keith Williams. Welcome to the Skill Stadium podcast, episode 86. Thank you for tuning in. I'm your host, Keith Williams. I love doing this because every guest has a story to tell and every story is about as unique as your fingerprint. Every week we feature professionals in the skilled trades, business owners, educators, giving real world advice. We don't run any ads on this podcast so and we're not selling anything. So if you see value, if you found value, please share it. Leave a five-star review. It's easy and it takes less than five minutes. Thank you for tuning in. So today we're going to be talking about opportunities in the plumbing industry and what it takes to stand out and be successful and why this is a great industry for people to consider. My guest today is grew up in Torrance, California. He's a plumber and owner of Barker and Sons Plumbing, third generation plumber. His company won Contractor of the Year in 2011 and 2021. During his free time, Mike enjoys family time. He has five grown sons, and they've been involved in activities like basketball. And he has a guitar collection, enjoys playing. And right now, he and his wife had recently purchased an oceanfront home, and they're having fun redesigning it. Please welcome Mike Barker to the Skill Stadium Podcast. Mike, how are you today? Good, thank you. How are you doing? Excellent. Mike, can you tell us about your guitar collection? I see one in the background. Is it? Are you strictly collecting electric, classic? What type of guitars do you collect? So I mainly like electric. I do have acoustic, though. So I have some Taylor acoustics. I like Gibson Les Pauls, Fender Stratocasters. And I've got a Wolfgang Stealth, which is a Van Halen guitar that was made. I just love guitars that are well-made. Now, are they more for display or are you actually playing these guitars? Because I see it hanging up on the wall. Oh, I play them, too. Now, I'm not going to say I'm... Good, but I'm going to tell you that I enjoy it. Excellent. Did you grow up playing it, or did you, is this something that you took on recently? Or From about 15. Okay. Oh, that's awesome. 15 years old. So it's been a while, on and off, several years, and you know, right now I'm on. Excellent. So last probably year and a half, I've been playing pretty consistently. That's great. That's great. Hey, did any of your sons ever pick up the instrument bug? Yes, I had tried to get all my boys to play guitar. I finally got tired of trying to get them to. And the funny thing was I coached all my boys in basketball. That was a great thing to do. And one of my sons decided at 11, he just didn't want to play anymore. And so my wife told him it was a summer. Well, that's fine, but you're not going to sit around. So you get to pick an instrument, guitar or piano. And he says, uh, guitar. And then he delivered me a crushing blow at about a year into playing, now I always thought, oh, if I spent more time, I could be awesome, right? And at a, just under a year, I showed him a, an arpeggio and I thought, hey, this is going to be awesome. So I showed it to Luke and I said, hey, what do you think of this? He says, well, watch this, Dad, when you flat the E out in this and he did it a different way. And I looked at him, and I just thought, you know what? At that moment, I realized there are God-given gifts and then there are things that you mm-hmm. strive to do, right? And he just had that natural talent. And uh, he ended up going to performing arts school for four years for high school, got to represent his school at that program that every year they had a, a major event at the Seekerstrom in, in Costa Mesa. 
And so he got to represent the guitar program under flamenco. He went in as a rock guitarist, was phenomenal, then decided to do the flamenco route and represent it as that. And he's just a phenomenal musician. He's toured with bands playing drums. He's played bass, touring with bands. He's played guitar. He doesn't even care. That's awesome. He's just a natural musician. So That's great. So, yeah, it was a little crushing for me to realize, you know, that there Definitely. is like a God-given talent. And then there's the strive talent, which I have, right? Yeah. There you go. There you go. But you know what? You're in your genius now with uh, the plumbing. Hey, tell us the story. I'm always fascinated by stories. Can you share the story about how you got into plumbing in terms of like how a crisis, a gas crisis kind of changed your career? Sure. Career trajectory. So I'm a third generation plumber, grandfather. My dad was into plumbing. All my uncles are in plumbing with the exception of one. He was in a van conversion company, which I thought was really cool. So from 14 to 21, I worked with him. The gas crisis came and it was shutting down that industry at the time because everything was about, you know, being economical, you know, getting good gas mileage and a, a big van really wasn't fitting that bill. So anyway, I looked around, I thought, man, I've got to change direction. And my dad just said, Hey Mike, you know, why don't you try plumbing? You know, it's, it's recession proof. And I really didn't want to, cause I had grown up hearing all the stories, which I think they thought sounded great. But to me, it was like, man, I want, these guys sound like they work really hard. I don't want any part of that. And so it was a turnoff for me. But oddly enough, when I got into it, I realized that that was like my perfect match. I loved it because in the service repair industry, I love talking to people. So it met that need. I love figuring out problems and puzzles. Definitely met that one. And you get that feeling of accomplishment where you finish a job, you figure out a problem, you, you do the work, and you leave the place better than you found it. And just it rang all the bells for me and whistles. So I fell in love with it. As a matter of fact, I'd probably be a lot further along if I didn't like it so much because for the first 25 years, I enjoyed being a service tech. And even though I own my own company, I ran with two or three extra trucks, you know, and, a, and probably four to five guys. And we just all went out and just did our thing. Now, that's so important. You know, I think we live in a time where not enough people enjoy the work they do. And, you know, that's a sad state if you're we all have options in life. It's just people have to be willing to, I guess, have a little bit more self-realization as to what they enjoy and just pursue it. Yeah. And I think it worked out well for me because having young boys and being involved with their sports, I could always leave, go to a game, go do my thing and then get back to work. Yes. And so it wasn't until my probably, I want to say 12 years ago, I hurt my back, you know, lifting and had to you know, kind of stopped doing the service work and then started realizing I had to be in the office. And so we kind of, my wife and I just said, okay, well, here's the direction we're going, you know? And so got into the office and started the process there. And it's been really good. And, you know, I've adapted to a, a new position that I think was not a natural one, but I've learned how to adapt and how to do this piece of it. And I actually enjoy that part as well now. Definitely. Hey, tell us, you know, most people don't have an opportunity to talk to the CEO, leader of an organization. Tell us what you do. And again, I'm not asking you for every single detail, but kind of in a nutshell, just high level overview of what a CEO does. What is a day in the life like for you? So what we do now is we'll chart our budget for the year on what we want to do for growth. And we'll put a path in place. We'll put our numbers. We'll put everything in play. And then we'll start to implement. And so my job will be really 
tracking, making sure we're on path, right, for what we want to meet. That's through like a daily budget, you know, watching where we're at, then uh, monthly and then quarterly. And we'll track it. And usually if there's something that's going to bump that scenario, it's going to be, you know, the staffing piece. Do we have enough guys? Do Are enough guys coming in? Are we doing the jobs correctly? And everything that leads from that is kind of, I think for a word picture for me, best way to describe it is, you know, you're, you're taking product down a river and you think in your plan, okay, the rivers, there's never going to be storms. There's never going to be droughts. It's always going to be the same level. And then now you're in it. And so you hit pinch points. You have to overcome the obstacle in the pinch point. Then you have, you know, the flooding where you have to manage and contain what you have so that you don't lose stuff. And I mean, it's just a daily activity that's usually it's a day-to-day adventure. There's a lot of things, a lot of moving pieces and really managing. You can't possibly do it all by yourself. So it's really assisting and helping everybody and meeting the, the crisis of the day or, or the thing that you need to accomplish that's lagging behind. And, you know, it's constant adjustments mm-hmm. is what it is. Definitely, definitely. And I think the biggest thing that I take away from that is the teamwork, you know, like working with others, yes. like just realizing, hey, I can't do this all on my own. So, yes, exactly. The beauty of working by yourself is that you can do it on your own. The beauty about working as your company is growing, it gets to a place where you can't do it all and there's no possible way. So now you are dependent on everybody else. And so now it's training. Now it's making sure everybody really clearly understands their job and their position and are achieving what they need to achieve. Makes sense. Makes sense. Now, I came up at a time, and I'm sure you did too, before social media. Can you please share how social media has impacted your business and the plumbing industry? Because I do see you, your organization has a presence on social media. So prior to social media, it was the phone book and or it was mailers, right? And so you were at the mercy of all the people in front of you in that phone book. So maybe in our area, we're a big area. So I may be page 35 before I'm seen in the phone book. And there's no, hey, man, let me give you an extra chunk of cash to get me moved up. There is no moving up. You are in the position you're in, like getting ready before a race. And pole position, guy who went around fastest, he's there. And you can't overtake his spot. So with the emergence of the internet and social media, we have an advantage now to where, and it's a level playing field, Everybody, whoever wants, if you want to run faster, if you want to invest more, you can. There's an aging thing that goes along with your website and other things that are factors. But the bottom line is, I feel like we can compete. We can compete with a big company. We can compete with a small company. We can do what we can do. And so from that part, which my wife mainly takes care of, I mean, she's my true partner in every sense as far as like there are wives that work in a company and they do their thing and then they get out. She's like a vital part. Like the machine is her with the uh, marketing and with how our presence is online. That's that's her baby. She worked her butt off figuring that piece out. And now she runs that piece. So that's my secret weapon. Mm-hmm. I think, you know what it is, is it's you both have different areas of strengths. And she's, that's her area of strength that she just owns. And I guess you stay out of her way and let her do what she does best in that area. Oh, you better believe it. Yeah, yeah. No, I I make perfect sense to me. I also think that with social media, 
you get to know people. Because one of the things I did like about your website is that it's personalized. Like you see the employees, you see the videos. Like she's done a really good job on that. Like that, it, you can tell that somebody who's taken some time to think about, okay, here's the message I want to get across. And so very impressive. And that's why, you know, I, I felt like I had to ask you about that. The great part about what she does in her perspective, it used to be on the phone book, I would design the ads. And so we would all fall into the same trap. We show our truck, we talk about our equipment we have, we talk about all the things that don't mean anything to anybody else but another plumber, right? Yeah. You're kind of showing off your stuff. Well, her perspective is we're, we're dealing with people. So we yeah. talk people talk and we communicate yeah. like people. We're in the service industry. It happens to be plumbing, but we're people. Yeah. No, I like that. That makes sense. And it's really about simple needs. Yeah. No, that makes sense. So I know that you have a lot of applicants interested in working for your company. Please share some advice on what they could do to stand out and make a great first impression. So I like that question. What we're looking for is uh, really we're looking for people with a great attitude. We're looking for people who have communication skills because it is a people industry, right? And we want guys who have a good communication skill because our other employees that are here, you want everybody to get along. So you're, you're looking for a culture, somebody that is a culture fit and people willing to learn and to listen. And from the entry level position of coming in, that's really all we're looking at. You know, Obviously we want you to be able to do the task at hand, but those people skills are really critical. I agree, I agree. Because again, it, like you said, it's a service-based business. You're putting people, your employees into people's homes and they're representing your organization. So uh, critical. So no, it makes perfect sense. And you know what? I always feel like attitude is something you can control. I mean, those, the things that you're asking are simple, but yet sometimes people just, just aren't a fit, you know? And, but I do feel like that's, you have complete control of your attitude and that goes so far in any business, just in terms of dealing with people. So I agree with you. That makes sense. Attitude is critical for us because we're in plumbing service and repair, meaning nobody's calling us That's true. just to chit chat. Yeah. They have a problem. They're stressed. They yeah. want to blame somebody and they're going to blame you at first because you're bringing the bad news of what needs to be done. So you have to have uh, makeup that allows people to be able to flex and not be, you know, moved by it. You know, you need to have com compassion with their situation, but you can't be shaken by them being upset because they're really not upset with you. They're upset with the situation. I agree. So cool heads prevail. No, that. I agree. I, I worked in retail, so I know what that's like. It, you have an upset customer and yelling at them is not going to solve anything. So I know that. I understand that. So definitely. No, that makes perfect sense. Also, tell me, what's your profile of an elite performer? Because obviously, entry level, I understand the criteria. But when someone comes in, how do you define, okay, this plumber is an elite plumber. That is the gold standard of what we're looking for. What do they do differently that others don't do? So for an elite performer, it's going to kind of be a repeat. And that is that they're usually going to come in with a good attitude. They're going to have confidence. They're usually going to have a system as to what they do. They're not going to be willy-nilly about how they conduct their day. They've usually got a way that they perform and a system that they follow that works for them. And that presence is going to be who they are. 
could be a top performer. So, you know, that be, do, have thing, you know, if you want to have what, you know, the best performer does, then you have to be like they are, which is usually a good attitude, have a system and be competent and know what you're talking about. Definitely. And I mean, it aligns, it aligns with everything you just said, uh, particularly the learning. Now, when you say have a system, is that just a process and just being organized and understanding, all right, here's how I'm going to take on my task for the day and being more efficient? Is that what you mean by a system? So we belong to Nextar, which is a business service association, and they break down everything within the structure. So how to communicate with customers is a process that we use, and there are steps in that how to be a good listener, how to manage calls, how to be a good manager, how to be a good owner, what's mm-hmm. from the top to bottom, all the way through how to answer the call, how to book it, how to dispatch the whole system. So there is a there is a literal system for every piece of our company. And that's the great part about being a part of them. And that's where we've experienced our real growth is implementing these systems and putting them in place. You know, we put our personality into it but the rest is following the formula no that makes sense and i think those processes and systems are so important because that allows you to take a vacation once in a while or or be away from the business and still allow the business to run smoothly i would imagine yeah because at a moment's glance you can look at your numbers and know where you're supposed to be and you can see if you're winning or losing you know at any point in the day no that makes sense That makes sense. And then you can make adjustments as needed. You also could analyze where you might be falling short, I would imagine, then. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's critical because a really good example is we'll do a daily huddle. And in that huddle, we'll look at the calls we have for the day. And they're divided out by how many texts we have and what typically guys will run. And then that'll give us our call count. From that call count, we'll know whether we're up or down on our day, whether we need to market heavier or we need need to back off. Now, are you finding that the challenges for having a good call now is just really staffing because we know there's a shortage of workers in the skilled trades. I know you get a lot of people coming in. How much, how is that shortage affecting your business? Is that a big challenge? Is that the top concern in terms for you as a business? The staffing is our major obstacle, you know, getting the right people in. We have a lot of people that come in, but we we're choosy about who we bring in. So that piece, we'll have days where we're 30, 40% cancellation rate because we can't reach the calls. And so within that, you know, you're trying, my dream is to get to a place where I have guys sitting waiting for a live call to come in because then we're not missing them. We're taking advantage of all of our opportunities. It's been a couple of years since we've been there. It's usually we're never reaching what we need to reach. Mm-hmm. But you guys are doing some great work towards moving towards that with the school and the training that you're you're setting up in, in your building. Yes. How long will that take to really, for you to see an impact with that? So we just purchased the building a couple of months ago and we have tenants in it that their lease is up in July. So they're looking for a place right now, but as soon as they're out, then we have our things in place that we want to put together because we're at capacity at the shop we're at right now. So even though it's right next door and we're connected, it's a space that's going to be phenomenal to just, you know, start that as our training center. We do training here right now, but this is more of a school setting where we have product, you know, that we can roll out and train on that we want to do. And so with that, 
I'm hoping that we're done with that. If we take over in July, then it'll probably be three months of getting everything set up and then we start. Okay. No, that's great. That's great. I think I see some companies are starting to bring in apprentices. I'm seeing that more as I'm talking to businesses. But the fact that you're investing in a building and you know starting a school, I think that's going to be pivotal in, in, in really helping your company. That's, that's a big deal. So I think, uh, you know, we've seen a lot of companies getting bought up. You know, the private equity is out there buying up a lot. And the thing that I've been watching them do is, is they have that formula with the training and bringing in apprentices, you know, and putting them through a process. And I just think that's the key because we're all busy chasing guys who are already existing in other shops. And that's just not a viable model, right? It's because there aren't enough guys out there. So if you're not creating your own, you're chasing. And the chasing just turns into, you know, you're, you're looking for that unicorn to come in and save the day. It never comes because unicorns don't exist. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. It's like a sports team that develops talent as opposed to just trying to find the next great free agent who's going to just really come around for like a year or two and then is going to be off looking for the next best opportunity. Whereas you're developing these folks who are coming through your program, they're also being developed to fit into the culture of your company, as opposed to somebody who's developed certain types of habits and like, oh, I did it this way at this company. So I could see how that could be challenging. Oh, yeah, it is. I think it's the only way is to raise up your own. And, and from the guys that I, I talk to a lot of people in our industry and for the guys that are doing that, the vast majority that I've talked to have said their best guys are guys that they brought in knowing nothing and training them up because they know their system. They understand the process. They don't have the bad habits that other guys come in from other you know, shops. Now, maybe they don't all have bad habits, and I'm not saying that. It doesn't mean everybody out there is bad. It just means that if you have a system that you want to run, uh, the older people get, the more set they get in their ways, and the harder it is for them to buy in to what you're trying to do. Uh, that makes sense. That makes sense. One of the things I'm doing with my skill state and platform is – we are using video to help job seekers create a profile and to attract the attention of employers. I'm kind of curious to get your feedback on, because anybody could say they're a plumber or that they have the skills. What's your take on people now using video to showcase their skills and talent as it pertains to you considering them as an applicant to bring in? So I think that that'd be really interesting because we have a lot of applicants that will go and we'll start to you know filter through. And so you look at their background and you may dismiss somebody who would be great because you can't see their energy. You can't see who they are, pick up on some of those things that you would really want to capitalize on. You're just looking at, I was in you know, serving food at such and such restaurant, or I, I uh, was a, a dock worker at blah, blah, blah for six months, or I helped sell whatever. I mean, it doesn't give you any insight as to who they are. And maybe the things that they've done in their background seem boring or uninteresting or non-related. So it's like, well, I don't know. So you just keep on moving through, right? So I think whatever gives you an advantage in a job market that you want to get into, a video I think would be great. If I looked at a video, I think I would probably think twice about somebody and not put as much of their background in, into play as right now I'm trying to connect the dots as to how it would fit with us. Yeah. No, I, I appreciate that because uh, I just feel like 
particularly for younger people who don't have as much experience. I feel like you have to be a little creative and show, hey, I'm hungry. Here's, I can learn. Here's how I might not have the most experience, but here's what I'm going to do walking in. And I think people are more, and I've told young people as, that I've mentored that that's, that's a good approach because people can work with that as opposed to just writing something on a paper. One, it shows that you made some effort and you were creative. And that's always a good thing when somebody's considering hiring you. Yep. We had one kid who he came in and interviewed and didn't really seem like a good fit. And he was working in a restaurant making pizza. And so a year later, he came back in for an interview and he was still at the pizza place. And so he sat down with our guy who was doing the hiring and I said, hey, I kind of remember you. Weren't you in here before? He says, yeah. He said, but I really want to work for you guys. I really would love to, you know, get a chance. And so I thought, man, he came in last year. He's here again and he really wants to be here. And we had a little small conversation, you know, as to the why behind it. And we ended up hiring him. Nice. And he's a really good guy. We're really happy to have him. Wow, that's good. But it was through, you know, it was through a pass through first and came back again and then just really put it out there as to why he wanted to be there. So I'll come back again if you don't hire me. <laughs> and so we did. <laughs> yeah, persistence. I respect persistence. Uh, you know, you, yeah, so do I. Yeah, definitely. No, that makes sense. What makes your company a great place to work? I think that, uh, you know, I spent my time, as long as we were creating a company and working, we really wanted to make a place where, where I would like to be, where my wife would like to be. And so one of the gaps is training. And so what we do is we take training very seriously. We'll train to the communication piece and we'll weekly, and we train to the technical piece of whatever you're doing. And we'll go through that process. We send guys to a school right now with PHEC that I think I told you earlier that we founded back in 2011. And PHEC has a great program, just Orange County never had one. LA had a school, San Diego had a school, Orange County, even though we'd been here since 1949, we didn't have one. So when I was president of our association, we just talked about it as a board and said, hey, we really need to get this going. That's, this is where the value is really going to be. So anyways, we have our guys going to that as they go through their apprenticeship program through a four-year training. And we'll also do technical training here. And so I think that we'll, I can pretty much guarantee that if you come to work for us, if you leave in a year, leave in four years, you will leave better than you came. You'll know more about what you need to do. And I think communication is so important because it, even though we're training to how to deal with customers, it's a people skill, Right. And so if you learn how to communicate correctly, if you learn how to listen correctly, which is what we do, because if you're talking, you're selling, right? Yes. If people are talking, they're buying. So shut up. I agree. <laughs> let them pick your brain and let and give them the information they need, right? So anyways, I really feel like because we do that, it makes us exceptional. I know there are other companies doing it, and that's awesome for them, but... That's the model we want to follow and, and we want to be the best. And so being a part of the best is can't get around the training piece of it. I agree. I agree. It also shows that you've invested in your people that wins loyalty. That's not lost on people that you've invested in them. I'm sure they can see that. Yep. That's the hope that they do. Definitely. Can you share three resources for anyone interested in becoming a plumber? It could be a website, any kind of resources that people can use to research the plumbing industry. So PHCC, which is the Plumbing, Heating, and Cooling Association, right, for contractors, they are the oldest association in the country. 
They were the first trades association. They're nationwide. You look them up, they might be local in your area. They have things that you can ask a lot of questions. You can go to meetings there. You can access their online training if you're not in an area where they're located. Nexstar is also a national association that I talked about Mm -hmm. earlier. You can talk to them. We have, I'm on their board for Explore the Trades, which you had Kate that you had interviewed, remember? Yep. And so within that structure, they have a lot of guidance Usually a Nexstar company is usually going to be one that's going to have the value of investment and reinvestment into their community. So um, you're going to get a lot of information there. Definitely. Definitely. Two great sources. Yeah. Final question. You are a third generation plumber. Your father was a plumber. Please share one lesson you learned from your father that you think can help new plumbers. So it'll sound odd, but very memorable. When I first got into plumbing and I was working with my dad, he would tell me, do something, even if it's wrong. And I would look at him and say, what? (laughs) He basically was saying to uh, anticipate what I need. Give me what I need. Don't sit there staring. Be moving. Be active. We don't need hands in pockets. I need you moving. And even if you have to run to the truck to grab something, to bring it back, to take it back and put it away again, I don't care. But be active. And so it caused me to think to critical think about what's really going on and to move and to hustle. And it was a great lesson, even though it was an odd, you know, directive. No, that makes sense. It's stuck. That makes sense. So keep moving, try something. I think your dad was trying to instill a lack of fear, like take chances and don't be afraid to fail. Yeah. Engage, stay engaged. You're in life, you're in the process, You might as well learn something. And you might as well engage, right? And uh, whatever the goal is that you're trying to accomplish, get there. No, that makes sense. It's not going to happen by standing still, that's for sure. I agree. I agree. Well, Mike, thank you so much for being a guest on the Skill Stadium podcast. I wish you continued success with your organization. I appreciate that. Thank you for having me on. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to Skill Stadium. It would mean so much if you left a review on iTunes and told your family and friends about the podcast.